It is my privilege this morning to share the word with you, and uh, I am Pastor Drew. I'm the youth and young adults pastor here at Moncton Westland. Um, I'm sure most of you see my face around, but uh, I don't get a lot of opportunity to share here. I preach most Wednesdays, and, and down in, in the basement with the teens, we have a great youth program uh, running anywhere from 100 to 140 students each week, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, God is moving, and the teens are active and involved in the ministries of the church. I love seeing them on the video, washing cars, and I love it when the teens get involved in the greater church, and so we have a lot. Do we have any youth here, any primates here? Can I hear you guys? They're up there, a few. <laughs> cool. So um, this morning, I want to I talk to you about something. I want to tell you a true story, and, and I want to I start with a story that I'm telling you, is, this is a fact, and in fact... I can tell you that there are uh, witnesses in this room who can verify this, and there is video evidence, if you must know. And so if anybody wants, to say, wants proof later on, uh, I can share that with you. Um, but I know when you look at me and you see this uh, you know, athletic physique, you go, rock climber. I know it, rock climber, I can tell he climbs rocks, and uh, I'm joking, kidding aside, I actually used to be a pretty avid rock climber and do a lot of uh, kind of those kind of things, extreme sports, used to rappel a lot on Graham and Ann when I lived there, and I'd and, uh, done some rock climbing in New Zealand, and we, we were, Amy and I were part of a gym for quite a while, and we, we would train in this, and we enjoyed it, it was a very, very good hobby, don't do it so much anymore, um, I was a little lighter then, uh, but I love rock climbing, and, and in the series on anchors, as we go through uh, and talk about anchors, I was thinking about anchors, and thinking about what anchors do for us, and they do a lot of things for us, and we know boat anchors, that they, they keep us from drifting off course, and that's a, that's a, a valuable uh, thing that an anchor can do for us. They attach us to solid ground, and they bring stability in our lives when we can be on rough seas. They anchor us and give us a mooring in rough seas and storms in life. Well, the other kind of anchor that, I, that comes to my mind is the anchor that you use when you're climbing or, or, or climbing a rock face or rappelling down something. You need uh, to trust in your equipment. The equipment that we use in modern day for rock climbing can hold more than the weight of a car. It's really safe and strong and sturdy, but it's only as strong as the anchor it's attached to. And then, of course, if you've ever done any gym climbing or rock climbing or if you've seen it, we often use what's called a belayer, and that's a person that anchors us, and they control our descent should we fall. You have to have a safety system in case you fall. At least I do, because I'm, I'm not that good. But uh, not too many people climb without, a, without an anchor. And so a belayer is a person who has control of the rope, and they call, they call it a top rope. It goes through an anchor at the top of the wall, and they will, will stop you if you fall. Now, as you can imagine, you have to have some pretty serious trust in your anchor if it's a person. Because I don't know about you, but people have let me down once in a while, and people have made some mistakes around me once in a while, and it can be a little bit of a scary thing to put that much faith in a person. And my, my most trusted anchor in my life has been my wife, Amy. Now, if you, if you look at Amy and you look at me, you go, she's a lot smaller, <laughs> and I'm a lot bigger. And, you know, basic math tells you that if a small anchor <laughs> is holding a large weight, <laughs> it doesn't always add up. But with skill, a good belayer can use the devices that they have, called a, it's called a grigri if you care, and it can slow a descent uh, very smoothly and even keep that person uh, in control. 
Well, I was climbing a rock face, or sorry, a rock wall, not a real rock face, but a rock wall, one of those man-made ones. And um, what happened is I got to the top of the rock wall, I got a hold, I got to the top, and you yell down to your blayer, like, you just yell, take, and that means they're going to take all your weight, and you can just let go and sit back in your harness, and everything's going to be fine, and they're going to lower you down. You probably know where this is going. Um, but what happened was, a little different than maybe you expected, I, I said, take, he said, yep, and so I let go, and I'm fine, I'm just sitting there, but I'm not moving, I'm just sitting there at the top of the wall, going nowhere, I'm supposed to be going down. And I, don't, I can't see because it's behind me on the ground. What's going on? I'm just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. Next thing I know, I'm free falling. <laughs> and with a sudden lurch, I stop, and I'm probably this far from the ground. <laughs> and I'm shaking. I'm, I'm, I didn't know what happened. And my belayer's feet are here. <laughs> it was not Amy. It was someone else. And, it, and, it, and what happened was... Light, belayer, heavy, climber, things got a little bit out of control. What happened was the, the device locked up, and they had to force it open, and when it forced open, they came, I came down with some speed. Luckily, everything worked out, and the device is meant to be a, 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 you know, a safety device. It caught me. I didn't hit the ground, but it could have been a real serious problem had I landed on the ground. The good news is... Um, since then, the, see, the solution to that problem is for your belayer to have their own anchor. The belayer actually should be anchored to the ground into something solid so that if for some reason they get lifted, they're caught from behind on their harness and they can't go flying up in the air. Um, I gave that advice to the uh, climbing place I was at, and I'm happy to say they've added that anchor. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is that our anchors in life are, are crucial and important, and, and you wouldn't do anything, you wouldn't put your life on the line, or at least I wouldn't ever again, uh, without being absolutely sure that the anchor you have in place can hold the weight of your life and the weight of the world's problems that's, that could come down on you and the challenges that you're going to face. And so my question today is simple. What are you anchoring your life upon? What are you anchoring your life to? What are you trusting in? What do you give the confidence to hold you when you face the storms of life and the challenges? Are you anchored to your strengths or your accomplishments? Because th that can be a temptation. Are you anchored to your job, your money, beauty, physical abilities, maybe a relationship? There are a lot of things in life that can be temptations for us to anchor and hold on to. The problem is that some anchors... And many anchors have the ability to fail. They, they can fail. Even the, even the anchors that are, that are somewhat stable and strong, we all know that in a moment we're frail people and, and when we're fallible people and anchors can fail. And a failing anchor is a very dangerous thing indeed. But here's the thing about safety. I'm going to move this table. Excuse me a moment. I like to walk when I'm, when I'm going and we don't have a lot of room, so hopefully I won't fall. Uh, but when you, when you have faith in your anchor, when you trust in your anchor, it makes a huge difference. In fact, in climbing, if you have complete faith in what is supporting you and anchoring you, it's a lot different challenge to climb. And you can make daring moves and bold moves because you're unafraid of what will happen if something goes wrong or if you happen to fall. You know that your anchor will catch you. And that is a, a significant importance in climbing. 
And it's also a significant importance in life that when you take those leaps of faith or when you try to, to live your dreams or you try to be, do something significant or bold, you need to trust in the anchor that you're holding on to. So what are you anchoring your life upon? So Jesus made it ultra clear in the Bible. He made it super clear that we are to anchor our lives upon his most famous teaching. He made it clear in the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew. It's such a significant portion of scripture that we all should know good and well. It's three solid chapters of great foundational advice for living. We're not going to go all through all three chapters. Don't panic. Um, but at the very end of this significant teaching in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, he wraps it all up with a story that you all know. You could all sing this scripture. You'll know in just a minute. In Matthew 7, 24, let's look at it together. It says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. You know the song now, right? Some of you do. And the rain came down and the streams rose. And the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation or anchor on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. I don't know about you, but if you fall, it is a terrifying feeling. And with some, for some reason in our culture, we like to create rides and things that create that sensation of falling, but with safety in the end, right? Because it's not the fall that kills you, it's the sudden stop at the bottom, right? So today, I want us to look closely at this scripture. I want us to look at three things that these guys had in common, three different things that made a difference here. First, and the most important thing to recognize is that they both heard the same teachings of Jesus. It's easy to hear this story and assume that you've got one man over here who's the foolish man, and, and he's ignorant. He doesn't know what's going on, never heard anything, doesn't know who this Jesus guy is, never heard his teachings or anything, so he builds his house on the sand. And then you see this guy over here who's wise, and he's heard the teachings of Jesus, and he follows them, and he builds his house on the rock. That's, that's an easy uh, mistake to make in here, but that is not what the scripture says. It talks about two men, and they both heard the teaching says, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, and the foolish hears the words of mine but does not put them into practice. The difference is not in the hearing of the words, it's in the practice of them. So we're not talking about someone who's ignorant of the teaching of Jesus is foolish. We're talking about someone who is hearing the words of Jesus, the teachings that are foundational, anchors for our life, and does not put them into practice. See, both men, they hear, but they respond differently. One heard and ignored, while the other heard and obeyed. We all love the word obedience. Yes, obedience. No, we don't, you don't hear a lot of songs about obedience, right? It's not, it's not something we get all excited about um, as with that response. But the descriptors here about the wise and foolish builders, they, they, it makes it clear that, I mean, we're, he's not, Jesus isn't pulling any punches here. He says wise, foolish. It's not, a foolish is a pretty, pretty, Brutal insult in the Bible. And so he's being really clear. But, but the reason the significance is different here in their response is because we all know that listening is doing. If you really say you listen, it, I, how many of you have heard this happen? Maybe a, a story in your home. Maybe dads can relate. Maybe moms. But how many parents can relate to a conversation like this? Uh, 
you know, saying to your child, would you please clean up your room? The response, yep, while they continue to watch TV or play their video games. Or About a half hour later, did you hear me? <laughs> I said, please clean up your room. Yeah, I heard you. <laughs> but still nothing. It doesn't seem like you're being heard when someone doesn't act upon what they've heard, correct? I mean, you feel like you're not being listened to. Just merely hearing words means very little. It's the response to them that makes the difference. James 1, 22 to 25 is such a passage we all probably have heard before. It says, don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. There's that fool word again. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. It's kind of a promise there in the end of that scripture. God will bless you for doing this. The man described in in Jesus' teaching was wise because he listened. But I want to talk about this blessing for a moment that, that I really believe strongly in. I believe that God blesses our lives, I believe that it, but I, I also believe that it's not necessarily a supernatural thing. I mean, there is blessings for, that are supernatural from God, but I believe obedience is kind of a natural blessing of wisdom. That when we follow the teachings of Jesus, they are a blessing to us because they work, because they are proven truths that actually affect us. This, the result of obedience is a firm foundation that can withstand the storms of life. The blessing here is not a supernatural, miraculous gift. Everyone's welcome to it. It's practical outworking of his wisdom and teaching that he offers every one of us, to all mankind. We all have the word, I mean, we all have access to his, his teaching, and we all have access to the blessings that it provides. And so we need to be students, but also doers of the word. We can all hear, we need to choose whether we listen or not. So the first thing they had in common is they both heard the message, yet one responded by doing and practicing and one not. The second thing that I, I love about this story is that they both built on the same terrain. Listen, Luke tells the story in his version of the Gospels, and he tells the story, and he, he, he just changes the wording just slightly, and it clarifies for us a little bit. Now, I want to read it, and I want to see if you can catch it. In Luke 6, 46 to 48, he says, Why do you keep calling me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? He's frustrated. Why, why would you call me Lord yet not, not be obedient to what I say? I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me, listens to my teaching, and then follows it. And he goes on and says, It is like a person building a house who digs deep and lays the foundation on solid rock. When the floodwaters rise and break against that house, it stands firm because it is well built. See, this person digs deep. Both of our builders, it's easy again to get an image in your mind of the wise and the foolish builder. The wise man looks over here and goes, oh, there's some rocks. I'm going to go build over there. And the foolish man goes, no way. I'm building down here on the beach. You know, we kind of get that image, right? It's nice down here. We like the beach, so let's build it. But, but that's not what this is really implying. It's actually saying they both built on the sand. But one of them knew to dig down deep and find the bedrock. 
before he started to build. That, that's a significant point to me because we, we sometimes look for, you know, the, the, to begin on the flat surface maybe of the sand. But Luke's version makes it clear that they were looking for bedrock and finding bedrock takes effort. Doesn't it? Finding the truth, finding the anchor will take some effort. He describes the wise person as someone who is digging deep. I love the work of Henry Blackaby. He writes a, a, a devotional I love and a book um, uh, about experiencing God day by day. And in the, he quotes this. He says, the Christian life is hard work. Christianity involves systematically striving to implement, to practice the truth of God's word into your life. Spiritual depth and maturity do not come without consistent effort. There are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. There are no shortcuts to spiritual maturity. Maturity comes only through hard work and obedience to what God says. The next time you hear Jesus speaking, begin immediately to firmly build his truth into your life so that no storm can unsettle you. I love that quote. Such a, a powerful truth that maturity, there's no shortcuts to it. The bedrock is only found when we dig deep. It takes some effort to build our lives on the rock. So Jesus isn't hiding this fact. In fact, if you've read through the Sermon on the Mount and you want to go back and look, it's a, it's a pretty challenging section of the word that continuously gives us difficult tasks to do. He tells us to anchor our lives on the teachings, but they don't happen by accident, right? Is that not true? Your Bible doesn't read itself, right? <laughs> I wish. I mean, I, maybe there is. I don't know. There probably is an a, uh, audio Bible out there, but, uh, but that's beside the point. You get what I'm saying. <laughs> we need to be spending the time in there. The anchoring our lives on that will not happen by accident. So you, so you look over the Sermon on the Mount. What do you see? You see him telling us to choose forgiveness over bitterness. That's hard. He tells us to choose truth over lies, and that can be difficult. He tells us to choose not to be judgmental, and that requires discipline. He tells us to choose to treat others, even our enemies, as we want to be treated. And he tells us to give until it hurts, and that hurts. We have these instructions from Jesus, but he's not hiding the fact that they're difficult. Finding bedrock is an effort. It takes effort. It's not sitting right on the surface. You know, there's a lot of people throwing sand around, isn't there? In our culture, there's a lot of people that, that are, are telling you, you can, build, you can build your life on this, and you can anchor your life on this, but it's just sand. It's not stuff that's stable or strong, and it's not stuff that will last. There's a lot of people, but we actually have to start to remove and peel away that sand to find the bedrock to anchor our lives upon if we want to withstand the storms. <laughs> Thanks. You know, I'm talking about rock climbing and trusting in your belayer. It's, it's, a, it's a real thing. I have a friend of mine um, from New Zealand who was climbing in a gym, and she didn't have a partner, and the gym kind of organized for her to get a partner, and, and she started climbing the wall, but her partner didn't really know what she was doing. Ended up same kind of story as mine, only not with a positive ending. She did fall, and she didn't get caught. Ended up with a broken back, and, and several years, still to this day, suffers from the injury of that trust in someone who was, frankly, untrustworthy. 
And so when we anchor our lives to something, we need to have trust. Isaiah 2.22, this is the amplified version, just to emphasize it, says, Cease to trust in weak, frail, and dying man whose breath is in his nostrils for so short a time. In what sense can he be counted as having intrinsic worth? One of the most valuable lessons I can tell to grads, to dads, to everyone in this room is that we need to stop, as this verse says, stop trusting in man and put our lives and anchor our lives in the solid truth of our creator and savior, Jesus Christ. There's nowhere better to anchor your life. Amen? And we know it. We know it. How many of you know you should eat green leafy vegetables? And we know we should eat, we shouldn't eat McDonald's. And we know we should, we know that we should exercise, right? We should. We know it. We know these truths. We know we should get plenty of sleep. We should never stay up too late. We know, we know wisdom. We, we've, we've heard it. We know it. I know it. <laughs> For two weeks now, I'm going to say I've actually been eating well. I'm down eight pounds and I'm working on it. But, <laughs> thanks. But, but it's hard. It's so much easier. It's so much easier to just run through a drive-thru. It's so much easier. Why is it that all the good food tastes so good, or the bad food tastes so good, and the good food, eh. um, but <laughs> It can, but you know. What, why is it that it's so convenient and easy to take the shortcuts and the easy road? But that's not the path that Jesus has for us. Third point, the third thing is that not only did that both of these guys hear the same teachings, not only were they building on the same train, but they both faced the storm. Both of them faced the storm. And all of us, everyone in this room, no one is immune. Everyone here will face storms in life. They'll be different. They'll, some of them will be um, much more significant at times than others. But we all face storms. They're inevitable. There is nothing we can do to avoid them. It might look like an economic downturn. It might be natural disasters. It could be a physical hardship. It could be any number of things. We can't predict the storms, but we can predict that they will happen. We know they're coming. And, uh, you know, earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said it this way. He said, the Father sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. We all experience tragedy in our lives, and we all experience sorrow. No one here is immune to it. We will all experience it in some way or another. And I have heard, I have in my life, not, a, not super often, but I've heard people teach that if you are truly spiritual, if you are a real Christian, then you will never face any unpleasant circumstances. You'll be protected from all pain and sorrow and not been my experience, and I'm sure we'd all agree that's just not the case, and Jesus never said that. The Bible doesn't teach that. We are taught all throughout that, that we are going to face this. In fact, well, I love the story of Noah. The Bible says Noah was a righteous man who found favor with God. He was loved by God. He was utterly obedient and faithful, but he still faced a great storm, probably the greatest storm ever. But because of his obedience, he faced that in the strength of his obedience, the ark. And man, did that take obedience to build an ark in the middle of the desert without any rain. That's obedience, right? <laughs> That's obedience. But Noah was a faithful man, but he still faced the storms. And so will you, and so do I. The wise man and the foolish man, they experienced the same storm with 
drastically different results. Drastically different because of where they anchored their lives. One anchored their life on the teachings of Jesus and one on the sand. They anchored their life on man and on our, our, our own thoughts and our own wishes. The truth is we don't know what the future holds, but we do know this, that no storm can decimate the people of God. Amen? That should get at least an amen. No storm can decimate the people of God. And that is such a truth that we can hold on to. We can continue to stand even when the rains come, even when the winds blow. We can continue to stand if we are rooted and founded on the word of God and the teachings of Jesus. The storms are inevitable, but they are not invincible. And you need to believe that. It gives it, remember what I said, when I climb, if I trust in my anchor, if I trust it, I can truly enjoy the experience and not be afraid to fall. If you don't, then look out. I want to conclude today with, and I want to introduce you to someone who's been an anchor and a hero in my life, not because of his strength, but because he built his life on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ and his word. And I think he's coming out here right now. There he is. This is my father, Tim Donovan. I would like you to welcome him to the stage. Come on over, Dad. Come on right out there so they can see in the light, Dad. Thanks. Now, I invited my dad to come with me because um, he's been such an inspiration to me. And as you can see, he's, he's not, come on right out. Right. Don't drive off. He's pretty good with this thing. Um, I've seen him get around. But you know what? My dad, here you can have this. Um, not yet, though. <laughs> I, I know if I give him too much freedom, he's, we've got another sermon coming. But uh, my dad, from a young age, taught me the wisdom and taught me the word. And he lived it out. That's even more important than teaching it to me. He was an example of it. And I saw the truth of Jesus' uh, commands lived out in front of my eyes as I grew up. And it was such an important part. Not only did I, did I hear it, I saw it. He demonstrated obedient and a listening heart. Um, he dug deep, and he encouraged me to dig deep and do the same. And, and, and taught me the word and, and helped me to study the Bible and encouraged me all the way through. But 30 years ago, um, a storm struck our family. And that's why he's not standing here today, but sitting here in a wheelchair today because he was diagnosed, um, it was 30 years ago, right? Yeah, yeah with multiple sclerosis. Um, and he's lived 30 years with a, a difficult disease that makes it harder and harder and harder for him to get around and be able to move. It's been a storm. Um, and the thing that I find so significant is that, and this is kind of, I guess, the heart of it all, is that even though my father's physical body is not really strong at this point. He's one of the strongest people I know because his life is anchored to the rock. <laughs> so I couldn't ask him to come out here without giving him a chance to say a couple words. So I've asked dad a couple questions and I wanted to get him to share with you how the teachings of Jesus have given him strength to weather his own storm. First thing... First thing I've got to say is, I'm a pretty good guy, according to Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> no, I take that humbly, and I give God the glory for all of it. Mm. I wish you all had the privilege that my wife and I had to bring him up. Mm -hmm. But that's for another day. We'll tell you <laughs> stories another day. 
God's grace, let me, let me share a little bit with you. I, God touched, my, touched me on the shoulder 46 years ago and said, I've got a job for you, okay? So as I learned to, Mary and I learned to obey his commands, and the one scripture I use is acknowledge him in all your ways, and he will direct your path. Mm. Well, he has done that. And, and why, I, why I have MS, I don't know, but I do know a little bit that I have, a year ago, a nurse asked me what I thought of a nursing home. I said, what? I'm 65 years old, but I live in a nursing home now because I can't get out of bed, I can't, I can't move. And I felt kind of depressed about that for a while. But God shared with me, hang on, hang on. I got a better job for you. Right now in the nursing home, we have a church service every Thursday morning, and I do it. And I have, a, I have 36 people that don't go anywhere but have to come to listen to me. <laughs> Captive audiences are good. Yeah. <laughs> but there's a fellow by the name of Don right now that we've prayed with. He was in church last Sunday, and he's near death. And I said, Don, what would you think of the service? And he went like this. God's given me another ministry. There's a number of people, and I won't share them all with you, I just want to share that obeying God, you know, sometimes we, we're good at it and sometimes we're not. But stick with them. There's only one person trying to help us through this life, mm. and that's Jesus Christ and his righteousness. He's the anchor. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Dad. Hey, I'm not going to lie, it's Father's Day. I took a moment to brag on my dad and a, and a chance to, to take advantage of that. But he's been such an inspiration. He's, not, he's being humble. He leads people to Christ all the time. Led his brother to Christ just last week. Um, every, every week I talk to, when I talk to him, he's like, guess what? I just got to share Christ with someone else. One of the best soul winners I know sitting right here because he's anchored his life on the truth of the teachings of Jesus Christ. And he's not ever let the storms of life destroy him, but he's weathered them. So we're going to sing just such a powerful song about how the rock won't move. I want to pray with you. I pray that you find a passion and a hunger for the Word of God and His teachings. Uh, we've got so many ways you can get plugged in and involved in this church to learn the Word. Please don't miss the opportunity because just hearing the Word once, once a week isn't enough. Let's, let's consume it. Let's devour it and make it part of us and let's practice it. Let's pray together. Father, you are worthy of our praise today and we give you all the glory. We thank you for the blessings of your word that it guides us into all obedience, but it also protects us, Lord, because it is true. It's an anchor we can hold on to. May we rest in you through the storms and the challenges of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah.